Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, and we definitely want to keep that conversation going with you. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts after the show. Check out Parlay Points, new blogs dropping this week. The T Public Store, always something good to pick up there to support the show. The directory, the classifieds, all that and so much more. odphpodcast.com. Kicking off this edition of the show, we now know who is going to the Super Bowl uh-huh. for the season. So we have to recap the conference title games of the NFL this past week. So, Pad, kick us off. Yeah, so I'll start with the game. We'll do like last week. We'll go in uh, broadcast or, I guess, game time order. Uh, so, obviously, the AFC was up first. That was between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, the Chiefs making it for, I believe it was the fourth straight year. You know, fourth straight year to the AFC Championship, which was an NFL record. You have the Cincinnati Bengals there for the first time since, I believe, like 1991. Something absurd like that. You know, and you had uh, the Cincinnati Bengals upset the world, uh, well, the world outside of uh, Kansas City, uh, by winning the final score of 27-24 to in overtime. Joe Burrow, 23 of 38 for 250 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Patrick Mahomes, 26 of 39, 275 yards passing, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Well... Who saw this one coming? Uh, people in the city of Cincinnati in the Ohio area passed that. Probably a few people. Not many. Man, oh man, oh man. Because I know a lot of people wanted Cincinnati to win. And I understand that for various reasons. Mm-hmm, sure. For various reasons. You can't stand Cincinnati or Kansas City. You're a Buffalo fan and you really fucking hate Kansas City. Facts. You know, but realistically, did you think at the end of the day, like when you came down to it, that Cincinnati really had a chance if you really thought about it? Like, I didn't. I'll admit it. I did a free DraftKings uh, pool, you know, where I was picking who I thought was going to win and then whether they win by this or that. And I, I picked Kansas City because I didn't think – I thought, listen, Cincinnati's good. You know, they've got T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow. They're great. That offense is great, but I just don't think the defense can hang with them. I was wrong. The defense did something that the Bills struggled to do, and that was really put pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Uh-huh. They kept him more or less in check for most of the game. The first half was a little rough. I mean, sure. you can't say that it, at the beginning of this, I thought it was going to be Kansas City just running rough shot over the Bengals. Oh, Christ, it was like 21 to 10 at halftime. Yeah. But plus, in my opinion, there's also a little questionable no calls going in favor of the Chiefs, too. Well, you know Rich's opinion on that one. Well, yeah, obviously. that, And I, I kind of share in the same sentiment. I think that for some magical reason, when the Chiefs are home, a lot of stuff does not get looked in their way for whatever reason. Yeah, you know, it's just it, it happens to fall in that favor, and that's where we'll kind of leave it at that. But at halftime, I give credit to the Bengals; they did not lose their cool. No, they came back. They really wanted to make a point with this game to say, "Hey, all the hype that we've had going into this, we're not flukes. We can definitely win this game." 
And kudos to Joe Burrow and company because that's exactly what they did. In a situation where some teams would have just completely faltered and just not bounced back, the Bengals showed up yeah. and imposed their will. Burrow was playing probably some of the smartest football I think I've seen him play in the two years he's been in the NFL. Yeah, I'd agree. And he definitely was not getting frazzled by Steve Spagnuolo's defensive looks that he was throwing at him. I mean, uh-huh. that's, that's something that... In being a relative rookie, yeah. shall we say, I mean, two years in the league is not enough time to really say you're a veteran by any means. Technically two years, but arguably a year and a half. Right. To have that kind of composure against a defensive coordinator who has been known to shut down some of the best offenses in the league. Uh-huh. Burrow really kept his composure. He really focused on moving the chains. He didn't do anything super crazy. And when he had to run... He ran. Like, he was pretty much as much of a pocket quarterback as you've seen. Oh, yeah. And he just had so much calmness up there that it really rubbed off on the rest of the team, which I honestly thought they weren't going to be able to bounce back from this one. I thought that they were going to be down so much at halftime that they were not going to have a chance. Because when it's 21-10, you don't think that they're going to come back. Yeah. But... They clawed their way back in this game. And well, and I think that's just something we're seeing from Joe Burrow or emerge from Joe Burrow. Is he had that game? I can't remember if it was like late in the season, you know, or early part of the postseason where they were down and where a lot of guys and they weren't getting shot. I mean, Christ, last week he was on his ass for most of that game, getting sacked, you know. But he at no point threw the tablet, threw his helmet, threw his gloves, got pissed. He just stayed calm, cool, collected. It's like, hey, don't worry, we got this. You know, again, with Kansas City, Kansas City's a great team and they have a great defense. You know, for that team, for, for Cincinnati to keep up with Kansas City's offense as well as they did, and then for Cincinnati's defense to hold Kansas City, this, this to me is a real you know feather in your cap for Cincinnati. You held Kansas City, which had Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Tyree Kill, and you held them to the three points the entire second half, including overtime. What the shit? Yeah, it's just it's wild to think that Cincinnati's defense stepped up like they did, but this was a hell of a performance. And to keep Kansas City at only three points in that second half, did not see that coming. No, neither did I. I mean, kudos to Cincinnati's defense. The blueprint is there for beating Patrick Mahomes, and I think it's much in the same way the blueprint for beating Brady pressure him because I'll, I got to say, Mahomes looked rattled. And he looked kind of taken out of the game. Like, he just didn't know what to do. And everything he tried to do wouldn't work. And he could just never get reset back into that place where he's like, all right, I got this. Yeah, no, that's one thing Mahomes has completely struggled. If you get him with very happy feet, yeah, huh? you can beat them very easily. And that's something that he's got to learn. As much as people want to give him the greatness and the future of the yeah. NFL crown yeah. and all that nonsense... He still needs to learn how to have a lot more composure than he was showing. Yeah, and I think he also needs to learn when to throw the ball away because, hey, it's great that you can run, and it's great that you can extend plays and run up to, from one side of the field to the other in one play, but like there are times where that's great and that works, but there are also times when you need to just throw the ball away and mulligan try again. Well, and that's something that obviously almost came back to haunt him. I mean, when they came yeah. down the field and, and they got the game-time field goal to send him to overtime. Right. That was a huge move that they needed to do. I thought the Bengals, as well as they were playing that second half, I thought they were making a little too many mistakes and letting the Chiefs start to run away with the game. I mean, I thought this was going to be like the Bills game all over again. The Kansas City had way too much time left for them in that end of the fourth quarter. They come down. The Bengals, to their credit, 
hold the line yeah. and don't let him punch it in for seven. Yeah. That was more astonishing. But I also thought that they had a very smart play that Mahomes took that bad sack right. when it was third down. I thought their QB spy did the right move. Uh-huh. That if you saw how they had it set up, he was watching him and waiting for him to run. And when Mahomes was starting to set to do his looks, the defender took off right after him. Right. And Mahomes was so caught off guard, he didn't know what to do. Yeah, because I don't think that I don't think that's something he's seen a lot of. Obviously, he's seen it, but to the level Cincinnati was running it, no, no. So obviously, when they were taking a you know scoring position, and whatever the commentators were trying to come up with some crazy weight about you know run the ball oh, down yeah. and like that yeah. whole nonsense. Cincinnati held on to scraps, so they went to yeah. overtime. They took the chance, and Kansas City won the coin toss again. Yeah, pain tails never fails. Pain. But uh, to quote, even paying to quote your quarterback, Josh yes, Allen, exactly. But Kansas City, I thought, came out of that overtime with a very bad offensive game plan. Yeah, and I got a, I got a giggle, you know, out of Romo, you know, because they got the Kansas City won the coin toss and they elected to receive, and the place just erupted. Mm-hmm. And Romo goes, "What are they cheering for? They still have to play." Yeah, it was absolutely crazy to see. But when they got in there for that overtime drive, yeah. I just didn't understand why Mahomes kept trying to bomb it downfield. I, I don't get it either. I mean, if it's late in the game, you need a late tie like against Buffalo the week prior. Okay, totally get that. But, like, dude, you've got 15 minutes and however many timeouts there were at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, dink and dunk, run the ball, no no rush, no yeah, pressure. For whatever reason, he was trying to force it downfield for a big gain, which, it like you touched upon, you had plenty of time. See, I think it just goes back to he was rattled. He was taken out of his element, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And he just never got resettled. Because you look at that Patrick Mahomes compared to the week prior against Buffalo where that dude was like Kobe Bryant, you know, rest in peace, mm-hmm. ice in his fucking veins. Where, like, he's staring that number one defense in the NFL down their throat and going, yeah, I ain't worried, motherfucker. Yeah. You know, just bombing it down, you know, just passing it downfield so effectively and so efficiently that he's shredding them. And to set up the win, whereas this, he's just automatically coming out the gate, bomb, bomb. No. Yeah. And especially doing that, you wasted how much time off the clock? 14 seconds? Yeah, I I noticed that. Took 13 seconds to end Buffalo's season. Took 13 seconds to end Kansas City's. Yeah, because when he's throwing it downfield, the defenders are sitting there waiting on it. Oh, yeah, they know what you're going to do. Exactly. Like, when you telegraphed it that badly, which he did... The Bengals' defense picked it up. Eli Apple and company were sitting there watching. And the fact that you got an interception that bad, yeah, because that was a bad interception, too. Yeah, it was. Cincinnati took full advantage of it. And when you have Shooter McPherson as your kicker, I tell you what, I don't think you've felt this good about a kicker since uh, Tucker from Baltimore. That or Vinatieri in his heyday. Yeah. Like, you have to think about it. Like, there's few kickers that can come in with that much composure that you know if you put them on the field, they're going to drain that three. Tucker, Tucker's obviously in that conversation. I would say McManus if we're talking like from like 60-plus. If we're talking 60-plus and McManus, I'm like, all right, a pretty good shot. Vinatieri in his heyday, I'd say that. And even I'd say Gostkowski personally uh, in his heyday, you know, in the when he was with New England. I'd, I'd put in that conversation. Like just for me, I'm like, all right, hey, he's fucking got this. Yeah, but McPherson, though, for the Bengals gives them a whole different element that – they're not worried when he goes out there to kick. This dude's nuts. Yeah, just ice in his veins. And the fact that the Bengals got him in position, drained the shot. Joe Mixon was starting to run a little crazy that uh, near the end there. Yeah. I thought they were going to punch it in at one point. So did I. They got the Chiefs completely rattled. 
in that second half. Yeah, they did. They never mentally recovered. Now, am I saying that this is a mental collapse a la Atlanta? No. No. But this is a mental collapse nevertheless. Oh, it is, yeah. And the fact that the Bengals came in there, played with house money, punched the ball right down their throats and going into that overtime, and then kicked the ball for the three. I mean, this is just showing that no matter how a team matches up on paper, it's what happens when you get on that field and who wants it more is going to win the game. Yeah, and like I said, the blueprint is there. It's Ben don't break defense because, I mean, you look at the stats for Kansas City. Jarek McKinnon was their leading rusher, 65 yards, 12 carries. Okay. Mm-hmm. Receiving Travis Kelsey, 10 catches, 95 yards, one touchdown. Tyree Kill, 7 catches, 78 yards, one touchdown. You know, uh, McCole Hardman, 3 catches, 52 yards, one touchdown. Jarek McKinnon, 3 catches, 30 yards, no touchdowns. Ben don't break defense that like, Hey, listen, you're not going to be able to stop them every play on every down for, you know, 60 minutes or whatever it is. This ain't Madden on easy mode. Yeah. Ben don't break defense pressure Mahomes, and then you have to be able to keep up offensively. I mean, let's face it. That's where the, with the teams like Cincinnati, Buffalo, uh, Baltimore, if they're hell, if they're hell, if everyone's healthy, that is what the at least the AFC and the NFC. You look at teams like the LA Rams, who we'll get to in a minute. You know, and even even Arizona when they're all healthy. That's what you need. Is you need a dynamic offense that can score points almost at will. Yeah, and this is something that Cincinnati has demonstrated they can do. That now they have punched their ticket to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Which is absolutely crazy. I think the last time they've been there is 30 years ago. Yeah, and the entire uh, city of Cincinnati has already canceled classes for the day after the Super Bowl. It's a smart move to do. Uh-huh. Because when you're a team that hasn't been there for that long, oh yeah, win, lose, or draw, you are not going to be one to do anything the next day. Uh, if you were if you were listening to us and you're in the Cincinnati uh, area and you work at a grocery store, uh, I'm praying for you. It's going to be yeah. absolutely batshit crazy. It's going to be wild, but the Bengals fans have stuck with them through and through. Oh, and absolutely. For, and for a team that, I mean, we talked about this in that pre-show, and I can't stress this enough. We said if the Bengals stay healthy. Yeah. They're gonna make some noise. They're they're almost like the Cubs before the Cubs won the World Series after you know 100 plus years where like. The Bengals are bad for so many years, mm-hmm. but like they're 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 the lovable losers that like you can't hate them unless you're in the AFC North. You know they're the lovable they're the NFL version of the Cubs for me, where it's like I don't hate them, you know I don't root against them, but hey they're there and I'm happy for them. Well, the one thing is the Bengals have always struggled with maintaining a consistency of of. Yes. Good. Yes. I don't want to say greatness, but yes. I want to say good. You got to start good before you can get great. Yeah, because they've gone through some... Although, except in this case, they kind of jumped a few steps. Well, they jumped a few steps, but it's being smart about who they drafted. They got Joe Burrow, their franchise quarterback. They gave him a legit number one in Jamar Chase. There's going to be a book about this turnaround in the next decade. Well, it, the, It's insane. It's insane, but this is what happens when a team is allowed to build from the draft... They didn't really go out and get any real huge free agents. No, they've added pieces, but not sure. any, not anything that's like leading off Sports Center, right? But they've done it the smart way. They built through the draft that now you're going to get this team in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I know that they're the underdogs as of right now, mm-hmm. but you can't say with a hundred percent confidence they're going to run. They're going to be walked over. There's one little potential curse jinx that's got me worried that mm-hmm. Brandon Davis from comicbook.com pointed out last night. 
a couple weeks ago, Seth Rollins was, I believe, on SmackDown when they were in Nashville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. right before the Tennessee game. And he basically rooted and sort of said something in, in favor of the Tennessee Titans. And then the Titans lost. And then following week, he was in Kansas City for for what, Raw or SmackDown, whatever it was. And he said, something, you know, basically, hey, let's go Chiefs. Because obviously, as you do when you're in these hometown cities. Yeah. Chiefs lost. Where was Monday Night Raw last night? Cincinnati. Uh-huh. And he said something basically, let's go Bengals, essentially. So, uh, yeah, I'm a little concerned. Well, y- yes and no. I mean, I definitely would be concerned. I'm a, I'm a superstitious fan. So, so I mean, am I. Yeah, like, seriously, I don't change my meal for watching games ever with the Bills. But this is something that, for a team that is literally going in there with nothing to lose and they have all the momentum on their side. Cincinnati has to be ecstatic right now. The season is essentially, no matter what happens in the Super Bowl, the season's a win for Cincinnati because, let's face it, you weren't supposed to be here. No, you weren't. I don't care what that goddamn news station in Kansas City is saying, like, oh, we were for the Chiefs in case you hadn't seen that shit. There was some news station in Kansas City that put out a thing after the Chiefs lost. We weren't supposed to be here. And everyone chiming in with receipts, thank you very much, of all the odds makers putting the Chiefs at number one favorites like, what the fuck you mean you weren't supposed to be here? Yeah, I'm The sure. ones who weren't supposed to be there are the Bengals. The Bengals were a th- had a shot to win the division if things worked out in their favor, and they did. Kansas City trying to claim that they're underdogs is a joke. I want to know. It's not the Chiefs claiming they're underdogs. It's a new station in Kansas City, and yeah, fuck you. Whoever was trying to claim it, listen, the Chiefs were supposed to be the new dynasty. Like, let us not forget. Yeah. no, you're right. They're supposed to be the new Patriots. Yeah. Oh, they're supposed to run away with five, six, seven championships. It doesn't work like that. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Exactly. For as great as Tom Brady was, Patrick Mahomes is not there yet. Is he a great player? Sure. Yeah. But is he on that level? No. And I would also say the Patriots also lucked out because the level of class, and this isn't a disrespect or a shot at any of the other teams in the AFC, but the level of class when Brady was in his heyday, especially in those early years, was not at the level it is now with Mm. the AFC. No, I'll give you that. The AFC is just dealing with so much parity that Kansas City is lucky they got where they were because remember how atrocious the beginning of their season was. Uh And everybody was casting doubt. But still, if you look at that preseason ranking, everybody had Kansas City going. Oh, I know. Everybody. Oh, I know. So the fact that you're trying to play an underdog vibe to your team, I'm sorry, you can't. You're supposed to bounce back. You're supposed to be running away with things. Now you're going to have a little contract issues for a couple players coming up in the offseason. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen with your coaching staff. I mean, anything is possible there. Yeah. But for Kansas City... They gotta have to sit back and really be humbled by this because oh, yeah. now, how how bad do you want it when you've had success and you're now at the doorstep of going to another Super Bowl, and you don't cash in? Where do we go from here? That's gonna be the ultimate question they gotta ask. Uh huh. They'll have enough time to think about it because oh, obviously yeah. they're gonna be sitting home watching the game with everybody else. Yeah, they are. But for Cincinnati, we have to celebrate the win for you for at least another week. But they are going to have some very stiff competition, though. Yeah. In one of the more wilder games I think I have seen in this entire playoff series, which, let's face it, this year in the NFL playoffs has been some of the craziest football we have ever seen. I think every game, I think since the wild card round, I could be wrong on that, but I know divisional and then championship has been decided by one possession. 
Yeah. It's absolutely batshit insane, and I got another insane staff for you here in a minute. Uh, but yeah, the other game we got to talk about is the a later game, which was for the NFC Championship, and that was between the San Francisco 49ers and the LA Rams. Uh, and you have the Rams emerge victorious, winning by the final score of 20-17. to 17. Uh, Matthew Stafford, 31-45 of 45 for 337 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Jimmy Garoppolo, 16-30 of 30 for 232 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. This game, a old friend showed up, and then you can say it's the curse of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. When you have the lead, and why are you passing in the second half is beyond me. Uh-huh. This is how you wind up losing games. Remind me, who was the offensive coordinator for that uh, Atlanta team? One Kyle Shanahan. And what is he doing these days? Head coach of San Francisco. Yep. I did not understand this play calling. I did not understand what was going on here. This was one of those scenarios that watching this team, the fact that they had such a day and night difference in halves at the worst possible time uh-huh. was truly telling. Yeah. That for as great as Debo Samuel was playing, and like I say, you could say, oh, well, he only, didn't only have 26 yards rushing. Yeah, but he's still a difference maker receiving with 72 yards and a touchdown. I got to admit something. I did not know Wes Welker was a coach on San Francisco. Good for him. Yeah. Did not know that. No, they they have been a very sleeper team this year because they really don't have any headline-stealing players, with the exception of Samuel, who, who was finally healthy and you got to see yeah. what he could do. Yeah. George Kill is one of the best tight ends in the league, but... If he doesn't have a good quarterback to throw to him, it doesn't matter. Which I'm starting to think they don't have one. Well, I think Jimmy Garoppolo got exposed a little bit. Uh And I think that especially in that second half, this is where he was struggling. Maybe there's a reason New England has gotten rid of all their supposed Brady heirs over the years. Well, you have When people are going, well, why are they getting rid of him? They need to have a replacement for Brady at some point. Eh, Well, here you go. Well, you have to think about with Garoppolo. When he originally came over to the Niners, he was playing very well. I always say he plays his style is very similar to Brad Johnson to me. Yes. Like that yes. when I see him play, that's who I see. Yes. I'm not expecting him to light up the stat sheet. I'm expecting him to manage a game and I'm expecting him to sneak out some wins here and there. Sure. That's all I'm really expecting from Jimmy G. When you're given a lead like this, and I believe it was 17 to 7. Uh it was just 10-7. At halftime, but 10-7 they... at 10-7 at halftime, but after the third quarter it was 17 to 7, yeah. Right. When you're up this late in a game, Against your rival. Who you've... Somebody had beaten the other one twice this year. Yeah. I forget which way it went. This is a situation where you need to close the game. Yeah. And you didn't. And and listen, I'm not going to fault the one interception that didn't happen. Sure. That was a gift that, unfortunately, that player dropped. But I will say this. If you're a professional athlete, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, you got to catch those. Uh-huh. Same with Jalen Ramsey when he had the chance to catch that interception late, too. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. If you're getting paid that much to play a game, you need to cash in and definitely do the right things. This is a situation that the Niners had the chance to close and they failed to do it. Uh Jimmy G, for whatever reason, got away from the game plan they were doing. And the Rams, to their credit scrapped for this one. Uh, so you had a couple guys ball out, too. Cooper Cup, 11 catches, 142 yards, two touchdowns. Odell Beckham Jr., nine catches, 113 yards, no touchdowns. Good Lord. No, he had a game. i got to give him. I'm not the biggest OBJ fan. Oh, but, sure. But I will give the devil his due. He did have a hell of a game. But for this Rams team and for Matt Stafford, who everybody was really questioning, 
Is he that good? Is he really the guy they needed? Right. I think he answered a lot of those questions. He's showing it right now, you know, and part of me wants to say, yeah, he's the guy, but I I want to give it time because I've seen this way too many times where, you know, guy comes in, looks absolute fire and absolute money, and then the following year comes and it's just not the same. Well, the one thing with Stafford we know is he literally bled out for Detroit. When you talk about guys that have laid it on the field, laid it all on the line, left nothing in the tank. You'll say like the one I can think of is uh, his rookie season, I believe it was, mm-hmm. where I, f- I forget who the team was, but you can find the clip on YouTube, I believe, where it's him mic'd up, where he had like a game-winning touchdown pass, you know, with a dislocated shoulder. Yeah. Like that is the kind of guy he is. And it's wild to see that now that he finally has a team around him, because let's face it, the Detroit teams that he's had – He's had one, maybe two weapons if he's been lucky. Yeah. And he still kept them in playoff contention. Not saying that they made it to the playoffs, but contention is a big thing. Yeah. To now he is loaded on offense with weapons and made an MVP out of Cooper Cup. Uh-huh. Like, let's face it, he is an MVP conversation. He has to be. If he doesn't, if he gets the, the title or the award, I won't be surprised. I won't be too surprised either. He's, he's had the, the greatest year he's ever had. And it's all due to Stafford because Stafford knows how to get a ball to a number one receiver, and that's what Cup is. And the fact that Stafford took this game over in the second half, played very smart, moved the chains. L.A.'s defense finally got to Garoppolo, and he started looking very, very shook in that pocket too. Uh huh. The fact that we saw him throw into the sides, like he kept doing a screen pass, like trying to make something happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. At the worst possible times was just egregious. And the fact that... The the 49ers had a chance to come back because I remember I was texting our uh, friend Josh from Talking Smack there, and I was telling him, I was like, I thought they had way too much time. The Niners could have got down the field goal range. Robbie Gold is not scared to kick from anywhere. Nope. But Garoppolo got in that pocket, and he got nervous. And you can – he looked nervous. Yeah, he did. You can't say otherwise. Like, he got in there, and he kept looking to the sidelines instead of going downfield. When you have to get in field goal range and you have under two minutes to do it, there is no excuse. You need to get that ball moving. Yeah. Why are you trying to go to the sidelines? Like, I'm sorry, he just did not look very comfortable in dealing with what he had to do. No. And this came back to haunt him in the worst way because for what the criticism has been of him, obviously a high-priced signing when they got him from New England, and has he really delivered? He had one Super Bowl under his belt against Kansas City with one bad interception then. But I don't fault him on that game. I fault no. I fault the fact that you decided to change your football play calling again. I'll say Shanahan, you've been down this road once before. Why the fuck are you doing it again? Yeah, it just it didn't make any sense. And no. that's and that's the problem because when you see the difference in, you know, the first half to the second half, the 49ers took themselves out of this game. They yeah. had they had this game locked and loaded. I fully thought they were going to win, and I thought Garoppolo would be able to lead him downfield for a field goal. Yeah. I really did, but he got so rattled and yeah, with that almost interception by Ramsey too. That I think that was haunting him a little more than he let like to let on. Yeah. So now the Rams have pulled off the illustrious home Super Bowl win, and it's thanks to luck and Mother Nature, I guess you could argue that this happened because I can't take credit for this. I read this on Reddit today, uh, and I could not believe it. So on May 18, 2017, Los Angeles announced that the Inglewood Stadium's opening would be delayed by a year due to flooding. Okay. Mm-hmm. Five days later, the NFL announced that the host stadiums for Super Bowl fifty uh, for the Super Bowl what is it fifty five and then fifty six would swap round 
swap around to compensate. So it was supposed to be L.A., then Tampa Bay. Mm. But because L.A. had to delay their opening by a year, Tampa Bay moved up a year. L.A. moved back a year. So because of Mother Nature and circumstances, you've had back-to-back home team hosts the Super Bowl. Yeah. Wild. It's absolutely insane to think about. But this is going to be a question of where are the real Rams fans at? <laughs> yeah, because let's not forget, y'all tried to restrict who could buy tickets to your stadium, and Niners fans still showed out. Yeah. There's only one that I know that really jumps out. So, Ron from 3FN, congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. He is. But I'm going to just say that. Like, for being a quote-unquote home game, it might not really be as much of a home game as people like to think. Yeah. I'm just going to say, you're going to have a star-studded parade of celebrities. It's a there. home game with a high price tag. Yeah, exactly. This is like be- the ad because I saw in the news today the average ticket or like the median ticket, median price ticket is like ninety eight hundred dollars. Yeah. Hey. But it's gonna be insane to see, but I know they're gonna put on a heck of a game. Heck of and, a halftime show. Yeah. And you know, it's right off the Niners list and they got a lot of questions now in that offseason. Including rumors and news that they might be looking into trading one Jimmy Garoppolo. I think you have to. Uh, yeah, you do. I don't think there's any question now. You you drafted Trey Lance at that high of a pick. Yep. You now are stuck with him, win, lose, or draw. You now have to say, okay, the Jimmy G experiment has failed. Uh-huh. We, because you know what? It doesn't matter what you do in the regular season. It matters what you do when you get in that postseason. Yeah. And now we have seen struggles. Is it entirely on him? No, no, but but it's five years in. You know, he's he was drafted in the second round in 2014, obviously by the Patriots. Uh, 2017 uh, was his first year with the 49ers, so he's been there since 2017. You know, what the hell has he done for you lately? Well, that's the problem. And I know he's had his injuries. Sure, I'll give him that. Sure, sure. But at the end of the day, when you're given the ball and you have the, your one chance to lead a drive down the field to get set up for a field goal, not seven, sure, but a field goal with a kicker who can nail that shot, especially a kicker who is making practice warm ups like he was over the players in Green Bay, in between the cheerleaders in Dallas. Yeah, did the same thing with the Rams too. Yeah. So like, you have somebody in there that's ready to kick the ball and and, and at least tie it and give you that chance. Like the saying, Robbie Gould, good as gold. Yeah. And you don't pull it off. I mean, it has to fall on somebody. Yeah, and, like, I get the injuries and I get everything like that, but, like, I feel like that only gives them an out if it's, like, three years in, two, mm. two years in. You're fucking seven years in at this point. Or what, one, two, three, four, sorry, five years in at this point. That is not an excuse. No, it's not. So I think the Niners have to move them. I don't know where you send them. I really don't. I mean, Denver needs a quarterback these days. Denver needs a lot. Denver need, Let's see. Denver needs a quarterback. Houston needs a quarterback. I'm uh, looking at the other teams. Uh, Washington needs a quarterback. Uh, Green Bay might need a quarterback, depending on how that situation goes. Yeah. Uh, I would say New Orleans needs a quarterback. Tampa Bay now needs a quarterback. But, hey, we'll get to that in the next segment. Yep. Uh, and the NFC West, well, Seattle might. Again, Seattle is kind of in that Green Bay space. Seattle might need a quarterback, depending on how things go. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be some landing spots somewhere for him. I just don't know where Jimmy G is going to go and reflourish. I just, I really don't. Like, I, I hate saying it about yeah. him, but. yeah. I think his starting days are gone. Honestly, it'll probably be like an Andy Dalton situation where like it'll be a clipboard someplace in case somebody's starter gets hurt. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a smart play for him at this stage. And for the Niners, you really got to take a look at how you're running your offense that second half. I mean, that's uh-huh. the easiest way to describe it. I mean, the Rams met you once is blow a, for blow. Once is a discrepancy. Twice, well, 
Yeah, I and mean, especially that you had this game in your hands and let it slip. Uh-huh. That's the biggest takeaway from this is the Niners should be in the Super Bowl. They yeah. really should. Yep. But we're here to celebrate the Rams and Matt Stafford and what they're going to wind up doing now, which, I mean, this is a great story for Stafford. Oh, absolutely. Aaron Donald and everybody there is like going to be very excited to get there. Uh, and we're really going to see what this team is made of because we've seen them now have some great shootouts. We've now seen them have some gutty wins. Is it going to be enough to beat the Bengals? Yeah. Well, we'll have to see about that. Uh, currently, as we record, the Rams are favored by 4.5 points, and the over-under is 48.5. All right, so that's risen a little bit because the line opened at 4. Yep. So we'll have to kind of wait and see about that, but we'll be talking about that next week. But until then, ODPH Society, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your takeaways from the title conference games for the AFC and NFC this week? Did you agree with the wins? Did you not? And why? Let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Ooh, I've been dying to try this place. Oh my God, me too. I've heard such good things about it. Welcome to the Crime Diner. I'm Cindy. I'll be cooking for you this evening. Here are your menus. Ooh, what are you thinking about getting? I don't know, murder with a side of cannibalism? What about you? Ooh, that sounds good. I'm torn between historical mayhem and the social injustice, maybe? Oh. I just want to let you know that each episode comes with dinner, dessert, and a specialty drink chosen by yours truly. Wine Dinah Storytime has had a makeover, and we invite you to slide into the booth with us at the Crime Diner, where each week we will discuss a crime over dinner, drinks, and dessert. See you there! Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and there's some more NFL news! Yeah! Just when we thought the playoffs were going to be all that we were talking about. Yeah. A certain somebody decided to go on Instagram and make an announcement. Yes. Uh, so that would be one Tom Brady. The news came down this morning officially as we record from Tom Brady himself that it was official. He is retiring after a stellar 22-year career in the NFL. Uh, obviously, Adam Schefter reported it a couple of, what was it, Sunday? Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, Tom Brady and his dad and coach and everyone was like, no, no, it's not true. It's not true. Uh, Shefty kept receipts for all y'all who doubted him and did not do that. Don't believe me. Look up the articles about all the likes he had on Twitter about people doubting him. Man kept receipts. Uh, but, yeah, Tom made it official this morning uh, on a, like, nine-picture post of a statement. I won't read the whole thing. Uh, just some highlights uh, from what he said. Uh, you know, he basically said he's not going to make that competitive commitment anymore. Uh, also going on to say, quote, I've always believed the sport of football is an all-in proposition. If a 100% competitive commitment isn't there, you won't succeed. And success is what I love so much about our game. There is a physical, mental, um, and emotional challenge every single day that has allowed me to maximize my highest potential. And I have tried my very best these past 22 years. There are no shortcuts on success on the, to success on the field or in life. This is very difficult for me to write, but here it goes. I'm not going to make that competitive com- commitment anymore. I've loved my NFL career, and now it is time to focus my time and energy on other things that require my attention. I've done a lot of reflecting the past week and have asked myself difficult questions, and I am so proud of what we have achieved. My teammates, coaches, uh, fellow competitors, and fans deserve 100% of me, but right now, it's best that I leave the field of play.
play to the next generation of dedicated and committed athletes, close quote. Uh, He obviously went on to say a lot more, thanking basically his coaches down in Tampa Bay, the players down in Tampa Bay, the front office down in Tampa Bay, a lot of Tampa Bay, Uh, no note of New England, but I'll get to that in a minute because I know everyone on the internet is losing their shit. Mm. He didn't mention the Patriots. We'll get to that in a minute, but obviously he leaves behind a stellar career uh, as we all know, drafted, you know, sixth round, 199th pick in the 2009 NFL draft, you know, for his career, uh, you know, 84,525 yards passing first in the NFL, 624 touchdown passes first in the NFL, you know, seven Super Bowls, you know, the most by quarterback in NFL history and most than every other team in the NFL, you know, and then three, uh, MVPs, you know, hell of a career, obviously a first ballot hall of famer into USA. Thank you. And good luck in, uh, whatever you do in the, uh, post career. Get out of here. Go home. Leave, leave, <laughs> leave. Never come back. No, don't, I mean, don't want to, don't say that. He'll hear you and make a comeback. Oh, and uh, see, this is what I'm kind of waiting on. I'm waiting on him to do the dramatic comeback. Nah, see, I don't think so. See, the thing is, all right, in all seriousness, I will give the devil his due. Yeah. Tom Brady is the GOAT. Yes, he is. We can't argue that. For what he's done in the salary cap era of football. And just the level of play that he, you know, because don't get me wrong, there have obviously been other great quarterbacks throughout history. You know, Joe Montana, you know, Terry Bradshaw. You can run down, you know, Joe Namath. You can just run down the list of great quarterbacks who have been in the NFL over the years. They've all been great, but to the level of success and the level of play, None of them even come close. Chris, Tom Brady's 44 and he led the NFL in passing. What yeah. the shit? Well, the thing about him is it's not his physical abilities, it's his mental. Yes. That when you saw him on the sidelines and he threw his head down and just staring, uh-huh. you knew what time it was. He has a killer instinct uh-huh. like few others do in professional sports. Yeah. That he wants to win worse than anybody. And this is a true testament to who he is for coming in a late round draft. Yeah, with starting his NFL career as the fourth uh, fourth quarterback on the death chart. Yeah. To be so, you know, such a late round pick. You know, I thought, and he was so not a factor, and nobody really thought he'd be anything. That like, if you go, if you if you somehow have it, you know, or you can find the image of the Patriots depth chart on the Madden NFL. Can't remember if it was two thousand or two thousand one. Whatever the year, if he was first in Madden, he's not even listed in the game with his name. It's just QB twelve. Yeah, I mean, this is just a testament to who he is because he was a forgettable player. But once he got in there and seized the opportunity, obviously Drew Bledsoe yeah. being injured when he had a you know Brady had to come in and stuff. Yep. He took full advantage of the moment and really gave a QB question to the Patriots that I don't think anybody was expecting. No, I don't think so. I think everyone just kind of figured, he, you know, hey, it's a fill until Drew gets back. And then, well, he, he screwed around and won a Super Bowl. Yeah. So he came in there and did his job. Yeah. He did it better than people thought he was going to do. First one in the door, last one out the door. But it's that work ethic that really sustained his career. That's the one thing that you will take away from his retirement now. Yeah. That he was the hardest worker in the room. Yeah. Like, I. And he hate... made sure everyone else was the hardest worker in the room, too. Well, that's the thing. When you implement that kind of culture on your team, you are going to see good things happen. Yeah. See, this is what makes the good players great and the greats legends. Yes. Is when you put the work in, because to be in the NFL, you could just have physical talent and oh, that sure. get you so far. 
But for what Brady did, didn't have the greatest arm in the world. No. But he knew how to get the ball in the right position. He was teamed up with a coach that knew to stay out of his way. Yeah. And let him. He earned the trust of Belichick, which is harder to do than anybody realizes. And Brady executed a very simple offense and made it into a winning one. Like, was it the sexiest offense you've ever seen? No. No. No, I mean. Other than that 2007 year. Well, the 2007 year, they finally gave him a weapon to use. Hey. When you get Randy Moss there, Uh you're going to do some real damage. Like, if you think about this, there's only one question mark I would have on his legacy. Sure. If he had better physical players around him. Yeah. If he had Randy Moss there for a couple more seasons, if he had a better running game, like he had a decent one. I mean, they oh, moved, yeah. they no, moved nothing, the chain. Nothing stellar, but yeah. But when we're looking at the Hall of Fame lineup yeah, yeah, yeah. of you know his offense, like yeah. he made average players great because he knew how to get them in position to succeed and catch and do a lot of good things to score points. Wes Walker, Julian Edelman, yeah. these are guys that are not – exactly Hall of Famers, no. let's be honest, No, but Brady made them better. When you have something special like that to you, you're going to win. And that's the one thing that he did. I mean, you can argue a lot about the tuck rule. Yeah. And, it, you know, I mean, obviously I side with the Raiders on that, but that's me. But listen, he still got that chance to go there yeah. and do some things. Once he got the ball rolling in the Patriots, this is when the Patriots way came to be. And you can't take that away from him, ever. No. This is something that he went and just established a dynasty, and especially in this modern era of sports. Like, that's the biggest crazy takeaway that you could have from this, too. Right. In the modern era where the NFL salary cap is probably the only thing I agree with about how to do business in sports because it literally gives every team an even playing field every preseason. Sure. How people do their money and, and draft is all depends on you know their organizations. But Brady took less money to get better players around him. Sure. Not superstars. No, yeah. But better players. And he made something out of this team. If there was anybody else doing this, I mean, you'd probably have Green Bay. Yeah. I mean, and also you gotta just look at the deck the two decades of dominance, you know, especially his his run in New England where I don't think we've in any of the four major sports, you know, baseball, football, uh, hockey, or basketball, we've seen a run like the Patriots went on, mm-hmm. where the only thing that can even come close, you know, the Yankees obviously have 27 titles, but like they didn't win 27 in a goddamn row. The only thing that comes close is they won, it was like nine, 10 years in a row in the 50s, mm-hmm. or even like the early years with, you know, Murderer's Row with, with Ruth, Mantle, you know, and DiMaggio and, and Barron and all that, you know. Nothing even comes close. Like, even the Lakers, yeah, okay, yeah. In the 75 years of the NBA, they won, you know, 18, 19 titles, whatever it is. Like, that's over a very large spread of time. They're not dominant every single year. The Patriots didn't win the Super Bowl every year, but they were in the playoffs and making it to the AFC Championship more often than not. Yeah, that's the, but it's kudos to what he could do with it. He willed that team to get there. I mean, you take a look at the one year that he was taken out by Kansas City. Right, 2008. Yeah, and how that team 
barely hung in there for a playoff spot. Yeah. I mean, they didn't make it. No. And I know that was all, everybody's up in arms about that. Well, yeah, well, no, they, they almost made it. They tied with my, my, it was either Miami or the Jets. They tied with record wise, but because of the way it breaks down with matchups or whatever the hell it was, they ended up not making it. Yeah, but for, so they could have made it if they'd have won another game, but yeah. But then you look at the terror that he went on when he came back. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah. something that to come back from an injury like that yeah. is insane. And to be still producing at such a high level. It just goes to show about his work ethic. Well, and you want to talk about another insane thing is when Peyton retired in like 2015, mm-hmm. whatever, there was still debate about who was better, Pey- Peyton or Brady. But you look at Brady's career once Peyton retired, take away the name, that's a fucking Hall of Fame career in and of itself. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Well, the thing is, everybody remembers when you win a championship. Yes. Nobody really remembers regular yes. season stats. Yes. Unless you're a statistician. Yeah. But you remember who brings home the chip. And like I say, I hated the Patriots. I mean, I still don't like them. Oh, sure. My hatred for Miami is a lot bigger. But yeah. But I will say this. I respected them as a rival because that's what they are. When they bring out the best or worst of your team, you're going to get that reaction. And Brady knew how to do that. I mean, for somebody that had to sit there and face him so many times in the AFC, that's why I don't say a word now. Oh, yeah. Because... The Patriots set up the Patriot way. Yeah. They did what they needed to do. They implemented something that few other teams have tried copying. Well, a lot of teams have tried copying. They've just never been successful. Well, that's what I mean. Successful they they haven't it. been successful about M- it. Much like the Oakland Athletics and Moneyball, a lot of teams have tried implementing that you know, to varying degrees of success. Patriots have put in the Patriot way, and again, teams have tried to varying degrees of success. Yes. I mean, I think the only team that comes close maybe is the Steelers. Yeah, although... But, but they've always done their own thing. They've always done their own thing. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. can't say... That they've done it, but when you take a look at how other teams have tried matching up and doing it, I mean, Brady and Belichick was like the perfect match. I mean, Chris, how many times have we seen a former Patriots front office guy get hired in a front office job in another team going, oh, they're going to try and recreate the Patriot way, and it just doesn't work? No, because it's it's a certain kind of player that makes this happen, and that's what Brady does. That's why when he left New England, everybody was going, oh, God, what's going to happen now? Yeah. And it just, but at that point, he had taken so much cap-friendly deals that yeah. That money he couldn't say no to. Yeah. And especially no. at, well, and he wanted, I think he wanted to play GM for a little bit. Well, I think he wanted to say he could do it on his own. Yeah. That maybe it, it's a curse of winning. Yeah. That when it becomes the norm, how do you motivate a millionaire? It's the it's the Michael Jordan effect. I mean, look back at Michael Jordan in the Last Dance documentary where he said, I forget which episode it was in, but like he's coming up with shit to get himself motivated. Yeah. Brady is the exact same way of just like, all right, I've done this six fucking times. I got to come up with some other way to want to keep doing this. Yeah, exactly. And that's why he d- took the chance to go to Tampa Bay. They catered to every need he wanted. They got Gronkowski out of retirement Yeah, for him. And they even took a shot with Antonio Brown because of Brady's request. Yeah. And it did lead to a Super Bowl win. So, oh, I mean, yeah. it paid off that he got to do the one thing he wanted to do and say win on his own. I mean, he had so much success with Belichick that it was going to be like, okay, who's going to get their first chip first? Yeah. But obviously when that relationship went sour. Yeah. He decided, okay, I'm going to try motivate myself to get one last run. Yeah. And then, obviously, he had much success. And then this year, we knew that going in, the window of opportunity for Tampa Bay was going to be very short. Yeah, and, and listen, we said from the outset of when he signed, go back to whatever episode it was, when Brady first signed with the, with the Buccaneers, that it's a, it's a very short window. You know, he, he's over 40 years old. He can only do this for so long. And that once he leaves, because let's face it, he's got more years behind him than ahead of him, 
it's going to be very interesting to see what you do. And now you've got to try and fill. You're in the exact same position the Patriots were a couple of years ago where you have him leave. And now you have to have fill that hole with, I'm looking at your depth chart right now, Blaine Gabbert or Kyle Trask. Yeah, they're going to be in some trouble. Yeah. They, Trask might be okay as a pro. I don't know. But we'll have to kind of wait and see about that. But the overall narrative is Tom Brady did it his way. Yeah. You can love it or hate it, but you have to respect it. Yeah, and and I know everyone on the internet is freaking out. Oh my God, he didn't mention the Patriots. He hates the Patriots. Stop. One, two things. One, he had that long ass goodbye letter when he left the Patriots a couple years ago, and really, I don't think anything will have changed from that in the time being. Two, I think he's gonna. And rumors are he's gonna sign a one day contract with the Patriots, retire with the Patriots, and do a whole brouhaha, you know, media uh, press conference. If he really hated the Patriots as much as some people are trying to claim, at least we forget when Tampa Bay played up there. Yeah. And the reception he got and his post speech after the game. Yeah, uh, I'm pulling it up now, but uh, yeah, it was roughly what did he say? Uh, quote: "I'll always be a part of this community. I'll, I'll I'll be up here quite a bit when it's all said and done, and I retire. It's been an amazing place for me, and it still is." Close quote. Yes. That was in October, folks. Exactly. So for anybody that's saying, oh, God, he hates him, he didn't mention him, stop. Oh, the internet was going nuts because I even saw some people going, oh, he, he posted a picture from when the pa- the, Buc- the Buccaneers beat the Patriots. He, he did it just to throw shade at the Patriots. Fucking stop. No, what he did is he wanted to make a quick post because the internet was running crazy because the greatest of all time is now leaving the game. Yeah. So he wanted to address it his way. He hated that it got leaked out by whoever. Yeah, he's probably doing his best damn just to find out who that was. Yeah, I'm sure. Hey. Yeah, which that'll be a messy situation when that yeah, gets well found be. out. Yeah, it will be. But for him, it's like now he gets to write off in his own narrative with a legacy yeah. that arguably will never get touched. Arguably. No, you would think not. And to him, I would just like to say thank you. You know, when when he, they started winning Super Bowls. And, and I will admit, I jumped on the bandwagon. But fucking forgive me. I was like. 10, 11 years old. Yeah. You know, I was into the NFL, but I wasn't. You know, I was kind of a Miami doll. I, I grew up not really having a sports team just because my dad really didn't like sports. You know, he always would say if sports fell off the face of the earth, I would never care, you know. So I really didn't have, you know, an indoctrination, I guess you could say, as a lot of folks do, you know, where your parents like the Giants or the Jets or the Niners or the Bills or whatever, you know. So I kind of like. I wore a couple of hats, but, like, that was just because they were in the house. You know, I remember wearing a Washington hat, a winter hat at one point. I didn't like Washington. It was just a hat. I needed a winter hat. At Carolina at one point. Again, didn't like Carolina. It was just a hat in the house. Mm. You know, but I kind of, like, through osmosis, my cousin was and is a Miami Dolphins fan. So, I'm sorry. Yeah. So I kind of was on that bandwagon for a while. I've, I've got a couple of Dan Marino rookie career cards at my, my apartment, you know, so I was that for a while. But I just got tired of losing. I got tired of, like, I'm tired of watching this team go to shit and Marino retired. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to look for a new team, you know, and Patriots ended up winning the Super Bowl. You know what? I'm going to go with that. You know, so for Tom Brady, thank you for getting me more into the NFL than I thought possible, you know, especially at a young age. Thank you for all the gray hairs on my head. You're responsible for all of them, uh, you know, and, and for the heart palpitations I've had over the years. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have a heart condition by the time I reach 50, you know, for all the damn Super Bowls and the close games. You know, just thank you for everything you've done, for the countless memories, and, and I wish you the very best in retirement. Be gone, and don't come back. The Raiders were right. Not to Brady, though, you, you got to give the devil his due. Yeah. The Super Bowl goat, he came in there. You always knew you had a tough day ahead of him. He even had one of the best rivalries in football with Peyton Manning. Yeah. 
And the fact that he proved about the hard work and dedication to the craft, you have to give him his nod. You have to give him his flowers so he can smell them. He set a precedent that, like I said, very few people are going to come near touching in the NFL. I think in the salary cap era, I strongly doubt you'll see somebody like him do it. I don't think so, just because, like I said in the last segment, I think a lot of that early success was a product of time, circumstances, and just look at the, what the AFC was like. Oh, sure. Like those first couple of years, you know, where it was kind of like they were there, and then they were re- you, know, you had Peyton, but Peyton wasn't established yet. Mm-hmm. You know, and even then you had Peyton, you had Roethlisberger, and that was kind of like Rivers and, and San Diego were always there, but they just could, just could never get over the hump. You know, there was nobody ever that was, you know, to the level of what the AFC is now. You know, where where you've got Allen, you've got Mac Jones, you've got Tua who's making improvements. You know, you you just look at Herbert, you know, Mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes. You know, you just look at all the guys in the AFC and the NFC. You know, just how much better the league is in general than when he came in. I don't think we'll see another run like him again. You arguably won't. And that's that's kudos to him, but he's a a once-in-a-generational talent. Yeah. That he did it not being the best physical athlete, but the mentality carried through. Yeah. That he has now created a culture up in New England that was not there previously. No. Let's be honest about that. He has now set the bar that every quarterback that plays in New England from here on out has to try reaching. It's an unfair shadow that they're going to have to stand in, but every quarterback knows this going in here. And once Belichick leaves too, the dynasty dies there. But... For what Tom Brady has done to the league, he's definitely left a lasting impression that is arguably never going to be fading away. And it'll be very interesting to see what he does with his future endeavors. Yeah. I would say this. If you want an absolute leap. Sure. What if he got with some investors and bought the Denver Broncos since they're up for sale? Yeah, it could be. I would not doubt. I, know, I, I know a lot of people are throwing a coaching position. I don't see him being a coach. No, not coach. He wants to be an owner. I, th- I think he wants to be an owner. Yeah. And you know what? If it's not Denver, the next team that goes up for sale, yeah, arguably. I mean, yeah. like I don't think you go for like a, a Miami or no, a, no, know, or Buffalo or whoever would go up for sale from the God, AFC East. Can you imagine if he bought Buffalo? Holy, I'd be scared because he moved holy, the team. Holy fuck! Yeah, well, actually, no, because we got the new stadium coming, so everything's yeah. safe. Yeah, Whew. but I think that if he got a team, I would be very interested to see how he would do it. Would he be like Jeter in Florida? That would be a question that we'll have to kind of wait and see. But now the the future is wide open. Do I doubt him doing maybe a TV run just for time being? Maybe, mm. but I could see him doing his own streamcast, especially. I can I can see him doing kind of like a, a Daniel Cormier, Peyton Manning thing, where like breaking down something on like a Peacock or you know, because obviously they've already got Peyton oh. doing it. Peyton doing it on ESPN Plus. But like I could see him doing that. Oh, I could see him doing something else, my friend. What's the one streaming service is now going to start showing games next season? Begins with an A. Amazon? Yeah. Uh, maybe. You can imagine they just say, here's a blank checkbook. Yeah, maybe. What do you want to do? Maybe. I know they've been talking about getting some fairly big names over there for the broadcast. What would be bigger than Tom Brady? I know, I know I know. I read that they tried working out a deal with Marshawn to get Marshawn his own studio show. Mm. That'd be fucking wild. I'd, be, I'd, I'd watch that every week. Love Marshawn. But this has to go to Tom Brady. Good luck in your future endeavors. And we'll have to wait to see what happens next. So that said, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. Tom Brady has retired. What is your reaction, ODPH Society? Hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
Coming to you live from whatever podcast you're currently listening to. It's your boy Jay West with my co-host Mac East from the We Get Dub Podcast. What up, nerds? It's me, Mac East, and we got a badass anime podcast for you. We got hot sauce, we got hot takes, we got booze and banter. And you can listen to us on all major platforms. The We Get Dub Podcast. It's harder than a Goku gut punch. <laughs> Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and it's time to talk some wrestling. Wrestling! Well, this past Saturday night was the WWE's Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. I have to say, one of the more polarizing wrestling shows in recent memory. Yes. There is a lot of reactions going around about this. Yes. So, obviously, if you listen to 607TWS, you heard Rich and I talk about this yesterday. So, the episode is out right now. But Pat is in studio. Yeah. We need to discuss what this card was. So, Pat, let's break it down, shall Uh, we? This card happened, and it was a thing. Uh, It took place uh, at the Dome, uh, you know, I guess as it's known as, uh, in St. Louis, Missouri. It's the old home of the St. Louis Rams, uh, where you had an attendance of about 40,000 people or whatever the hell it was. Uh, and your first match uh, to open the card, because there was no pre-show uh, match, was for the Universal Championship with Roman Reigns defending his belt against Seth freaking Rollins. Match started out amazingly before the bell even rang. Roman came out, which was very interesting because champ coming out first ain't normal. Mm-hmm. It ain't the usual. It ain't the routine. Roman came out, and then everyone's waiting for Seth. Roman's waiting for He's standing there like he's waiting for the Pledge of or Not the Pledge of Allegiance, the National Anthem. You know, he's got his hands folded in front of him. And then you just hear Sierra, Hotel, Indio, Echo, Lima, Delta, Shield. And the Shield music hit. And everyone we were, uh, everyone we were watching went, oh, shit. Yeah. Seth came out to Shield music, Shield gear, uh, further proving he is the new Cerebral Assassin, I guess as they're calling him. Yeah, no, we had our usual watch party uh, that we do every year with Dog, Jimmy Gazdick from Floodlands, Liz yep. Bailey was in the house. Uh-huh. And, obviously, our, our good brother Vinny was in spirit as well. Yes. And when that music hit, I am now fully convinced. Not that I, I was debating it, but I'm, like, now 100% sold. Seth Rollins' new gimmick is to be the Joker. I'm telling you, and I, I know I tweeted this to Cage Side Seats because they brought out. Because Friday night, he showed up looking like the Joker. You know, purple suit and the whole nine. I swear to God, if he makes a pencil disappear, I'm going to lose it. Uh, it's coming. Mark my words, that's coming at some point. He is doing the Heath Ledger Joker to the T. Uh-huh. It's, it's getting over. Uh-huh. Which this it's match. Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Like Because I thought the drip god thing that he's been trying to do is kind of getting a little stale, but now he's gone full Joker. I'm here for this. Oh, yeah. I, I'm I'm 1,000% sold on this. Yeah. Uh, and for the result of the match, you did have Seth Rollins win. Technically, but it was by disqualification, so the belt still remains on uh, Roman Reigns. Yes, which uh, Roman made him pass out, but he refused to let go of the hold when Seth got his hand on the rope. Yep. This was a fantastic match. Oh, yeah. Anytime these two get together, you know you're in for a quality match. The ending, like I said, left a lot to be desired for some people. My only gripe about it was that Seth's hand was still on the rope right. on purpose. After, yeah. Which I'm like, I'm sorry, if you passed out, that thing's dropping. That's not holding steady. Yeah. But I'm I'm good with the ending. I'm not mad about it. I mean, I thought it was a little disappointing because I want to see a clean finish. But if they're going to run this back, and I do have a theory already about it. I'll get to a little later in the show. All right. I'm okay with this. Like, I'm now more cool about this. Yeah, I definitely think they're going to run it back, you know, just because there's a show in between now and WrestleMania, you mm-hmm. know, so I think that could be a spot where it happens. You know, I was wondering how we were going to get the ending just because I didn't think Roman would lose 
but I wasn't quite sure how you were going to do it without hurting Seth. Mm-hmm. You know, so ending was what it was. Was I happy about it? Nah, because, you know, I would like to see Seth win, but it is what it is. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and next up was uh, the Women's Royal Rumble match. Uh, you had some, you know, you, you had a bunch of uh, folks show up that you know. A couple of surprise returns. You had Melina show up for the first time in Lord knows how long. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly Kelly was another one that showed up uh, unannounced. Michelle McCool, Sonya Deville entered uh, the match, although she sat at ringside for a while. Cameron uh, made a return. You had Ivory show up for the first time. Ivory was dope. Ivory showed up for the first time in a while. Brie Bella was there. Mickey James showed up in... Uh, her gear from Impact with the Impact Knockout Women's title and her Impact music, which was awesome to see. Best moment of the night. Yeah, it was. Uh, you had Alicia Fox return, Summer Rae return, Sarah Logan return, have a, had a nice moment with uh, uh, Liv, Morgan. Liv Morgan. That was awesome to see. And then you had Lita return, Mighty Holly made her return, and holy shit, Mighty Holly and Nikki A.S.H., good lord. Yes. Uh, and then, obviously, the 28th entrant and the eventual winner was the returning Ronda Rousey. Well, the only thing I didn't like about this match is once you saw Rousey appear, yeah. you you knew she was winning. Yeah. Like, there was no great surprise about it. Like no. I think had she come out after the Royal Rumble. And then you could set up a feud where she steals a title uh, opportunity from somebody. I think that would have gone over better. Yeah. But I get what they were doing here. And, I mean, it didn't take away from the match. I thought the match was excellent. Uh-huh. Um, I know that Mickey James coming out with that Impact World title, that, freaking, that was awesome. That made me mark out huge. Yeah. I'm a big Riot Squad fan, so I was happy to see Sarah Logan come back and yeah. have that moment with Liv. That, that did everything. I was like, man, this is going to have some really cool yeah. moments. But with Ronda winning at the end, I mean, we all know it's the biggest name you could put on WrestleMania. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense on a business standpoint. I just would have liked to see the setup better. Like, I was really hoping Shayna Baszler pulled it off. If they sure. Were, if they weren't going to have Sasha do it or my original idea of Bianca and Liv going over same time. Right. You know, right. I, I would much rather have Shayna win. But I yeah. get why I'm not mad about it. It is it is what it is. It's business. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes the most sense. When WrestleMania being a two-night event now, you need two big main events, you know, to take place on both nights. You know, one of these matches will be, you know, one of these uh, folks who won the men's or women's will be on one night, the other one will be on the other night. So you need to go with a big name. And, and no disrespect to the other women, you know, in the matchup, but just once this, I'm like, all right, yeah, that makes sense. You know, it, it was still awesome to see so many moments. I mean, Christ, the, the right to censor music hit, and I just went, oh, shit. Like, I can't believe we're about to see this. Yeah, no, that was a cool throwback. So, and Ivory, it's 60 years old, man. She did not look that I old. did not know that. She does not look 60. She looks great. Yeah, she looks fantastic. She looks great. Uh, and I know some people were like, why didn't WWE put the Impact Knockout Women's Championship? Listen, they're keeping it simple for the folks who don't watch Impact Wrestling. Like, hey, it just makes sense. Like, you, they know they might know what Impact is, but they might not know the nuances. Let me just break something down here about this. I, I remember seeing that, too, that, like, honestly, I thought Mickey he was going to win. Listen. It would have been cool. It would have been a cool moment. Don't get me wrong. But there was no way the WWE was going to let Impact share the spotlight with them on WrestleMania. Hell no. I thought it was a very cool gesture on WWE's part to have Mickey come in with the belt. And the music. And the music. And the whole nine. Like, yeah. nothing wrong with that. More than I would have thought they would have done. It's more than AEW has done on their programming for Impact wrestlers. Facts. I'm just saying, like, I know I caught some heat about saying it, but I'm like, please prove me wrong. And don't say the good brothers showed up with the tag titles when they defend him on the dynamite. Yeah. Just saying. I digress. This did what it needed to do. 
Next up. Uh, next up was a matchup for the uh, Raw Women's Championship where you had Becky Lynch defending her belt against Dewdrop, and you had Becky Lynch emerge victorious, pinning Dewdrop in 12 minutes and 58 seconds. Piper Nevin, a.k.a. Dewdrop, yes. is fantastic. Yes, she is. I'm happy that she got a lot more time than I thought she was going to get. Yeah, I was say, we all figured this would be like a squash match, just a filler, you know, like a bathroom break, which is a disrespect to either women, you know. Uh, but ended up being 12 minutes and 58 seconds, which was a good amount of time, I would say. It, to me, because I know a lot of these matches, you know, on other shows and whatever, you know, oh, it's too short, oh, it's too long. This felt just right. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely thought so, too, and I thought Nevin looked great in this match. Yeah. I mean, even defeat. I mean, this was a filler feud match. But, but it still made her look good. It still made her look good, and uh, like I'd like to see her get another sh- shot at the title there, but yeah. you know, we'll have to kind of wait and see. Yeah, uh, and then next up was the matchup for the WWE Championship where you had Brock Lesnar uh, with Paul Heyman, uh, note that uh, little phrase, mm-hmm. uh, defending his belt against Bobby Lashley with MVP, uh, and you had Bobby Lashley emerge victorious, pinning Brock Lesnar in 10 minutes and 8 seconds, but not without some shenanigans. Uh, so obviously the match was highly built up, you know, oh, it's the first time ever these two guys are facing each other. You're not going to want to miss this, mm-hmm. you know, and it was a good match up until the rough bumps. And there were two rough bumps because apparently the one wasn't effective enough, uh, let off with Lashley suplexing Lesnar. Holy fuck. Yeah. Uh, you know, but then you have the two rough bumps and then Roman came walking out, you know, attacked Lesnar. Obviously the rough was still out, so it couldn't, didn't know what was going on. You know, he had Heyman hand him the WWE Championship. He knocked out uh, Lesnar with it, you know, and then Lashley went in for the pin. One, two, three. He's the new WWE Champion. And Roman left with Paul Heyman. Yeah, this match lived up to my hype for it. Eh. I've been waiting to see it, but I wanted to see a clean finish. Yeah, I I did too. And I know that I have a feeling they're going to run this back sooner than later. I know that they did announce on uh, WWE Raw that uh, yeah. Bobby Lashley will be in the Elimination Chamber. Yeah, so uh, it was kind of rumored that Bobby Lashley would be defending his belt at the Elimination Chamber. Uh, and he came out on Monday Night Raw basically like, hey, listen, because uh, as we'll get to in a minute, you know, uh, Lesnar won the Men's Royal Rumble. He's like, hey, listen, you you know, I know you're concerned about who I'm going to challenge, you know, for their belt at WrestleMania. Don't worry. It's not you. I'm going after Rowan. All right. No surprise there. But he's like, I do want my rematch. You know, I want my rematch tonight. And he was, you know, trying to get Lashley riled up. And Lashley was, you know, riled up, quote, mm. quote unquote. You know, MVP is trying to like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Time and place. You know, choose your spot. Choose your moment. Blah, blah, blah. You know, so they almost pulled it off where it didn't happen. But Adam Pierce was there. And Adam Pierce was like, hey, yeah, uh, you know, Lashley, Bobby Lashley might not be defending his belt tonight, but he is defending it upcoming at the next Crown Jewel event in, in Saudi Arabia in the Elimination Chamber. And Brock, without a mic, but he was still near Adam Pierce's mic, went, I want in. And Pierce goes, and the next declared entrant for that uh, match is Brock Lesnar. So you've got Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar, along with some other folks. I'll look them up here in a minute, uh, as participants in the Elimination Chamber. Well, it's a good way to kind of segue the belt if they're going to go where I think they're going now, and that's title unification. Yeah. So it's a good way. It's an easy way to get the belt off Bob Without having him lose to Brock. Yeah. You know. Uh, So, well, let's see. Yeah, so it's Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, Austin Theory, Riddle, and AJ Styles. Because they had a series of matches last night, you know, of singles matchups to determine, hey, you win, you're in the Elimination Chamber. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I think Brock winds up taking it, and then it's title for title. Yeah. Because that's the only way I think they, I think they really want to go big. Yeah, I do too. 
for Mania with the title match because, I mean, we've already seen Brock versus uh, Roman before. Like a couple, a handful of times, especially at WrestleMania. Yeah, so it's not really going to move the needle unless there's a big step by it. Yeah. So this is the way to do it. Uh, and then next up was the uh, a mixed tag team matchup between Miz and Maurice and Beth Phoenix and Edge. Uh, this obviously being the first time that Beth Phoenix and Edge, who are, hey, if you didn't know, they're married, mm-hmm. uh, teamed up together. And you had Beth Phoenix and Edge, because I refuse to say the team name they're given, uh, ended up pinning Miz and Maurice in 12 minutes and 29 seconds. I'm sorry. I'm not going to say it. I don't care how many times the announced team says it. It's not catching on. No, it's not. You and Rich have the same opinion. It's bad. I'm not. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, and I agree with what Rich said on on six hundred seven TWS that like, I don't get if they're trying to make a T shirt or not, but like trying to get it to catch to make a T shirt, but it's not working. Is that bad catchphrase when you hear three o'clock at the bar? Yes, it is. And somebody pops in that bad song that you don't yeah, want to sing along to. Yeah, you know it's it's usually some really bad eighty song and just yeah. nobody wants to go near it. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the vibe that you get when they try when the announcers are really screaming. It's the yep. Yeah, you know, like that's the whole vibe. With yep. That. Match, but, match was okay. Uh, would have been better if uh, Edge and Beth came out in brood entrance. Just it, saying. It would have been better, but I think this match was a filler match. To, yeah, it was. It's, hands down. Uh, I will say this. Maurice, who I've never been big on her wrestling. Sure. Uh, I thought she actually looked like really good in this match. Yeah, she looked all right. Yeah, which I mean, like I say, considering she hasn't wrestled in Lord knows how long, and she's had a couple of kids along the way. Well, that's that's the thing too. Like she has she hasn't been off uh, being a mother, so she yeah. hasn't been wrestling in yeah. the ring. But even before then, like when she was in the ring, like I never really said like, oh wow, you know, she's on that level of, like a page right. or, or right. Sasha Banks, right? But I thought for this match, she looked really good wrestling. So I was happy to see that, but other than that, I could care less about this match. Yeah. Every way. Uh, and then the main event was the men's, 30-man uh, men's Royal Rumble match. Uh, and as I mentioned, Brock Lesnar ended up being the winner. Uh, but some interesting ones yet along the way. You did have Johnny Knoxville enter at the number nine position. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't get credit. I think he, it's, I'm looking on the Wikipedia page for the Royal Rumble, and it doesn't give him credit for elimination, but I thought, I didn't he eliminate? He did, he did eliminate two he, people. He eliminated two people, so hey, you had that happen. Uh, you did also have Bad Bunny enter at the number 27 position, which was awesome to see. Uh, best Canadian destroyer in pro wrestling. Fight me on that one. Uh, and then also you had Shane McMahon return in the number 28 position. Uh, but as we mentioned, Brock Lesnar entered number 30. And I, I'll admit, I had some hope he wouldn't win just because Randy was still in the ring. I completely forgot Drew was still in the ring because he was a huddled mess in the corner. I was like, wait, who's that in the corner? Because at this point, we're like four hours deep into this damn thing. You know, and I'm like, wait, who's that? So I still had hope that Brock wouldn't win it, but once Randy got eliminated, I'm like, eh, well, Brock's winning this damn thing. I believe Bad Bunny eliminated Seamus and Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, he did. He has credit for two, uh, two eliminations. Yes. So and, and the best Canadian destroyer of the night. Facts. Bad Bunny could have won this thing. I've been happy. Yeah. Well, I mean, seriously, he, he is ridiculously good. Uh, but this match, uh, disappointing. Very, yeah. Very disappointing top to bottom. Yeah. Um, I, I know that I think the buildup for the possibility of a forbidden door really hurt this match. I think so too. Yeah. Because I mean, I know Ru- Mo- rumors were running rampant. Moose had tweeted out that he was going to be in it. I know that the internet was somehow thinking Cody Rhodes is going to show up. I well, didn't. well, cause Cody tweeted a photo of a plane flying over St. Louis. Yeah. You know, you had that going on. You had theories that Moxley was going to be in the rumble, which weren't help. You know, I'm not, I'm not blaming her. But his wife didn't help things because she get, did an interview and that got asked. Yeah. You know, with whether he was going to be in the Rumble or not. And she goes, oh, I don't know. His schedule's so crazy this these days that I don't know where he is or what he's up to. So I don't know what his Saturday schedule looks like. 
Yeah. Which which is like throwing gasoline on the fire. Yeah, I mean, all those rumors really, I think, were hurting because we didn't get any big surprises. No, I mean, there, there was really wasn't, outside of Shane <laughs> returning, there wasn't really any legends or former... You know, and that's part of the reason I love the Rumble so yeah. much is you have those moments where it's like, oh, like what was it a couple of years ago? Hurricane Helms returned when Cena was in the ring. Mm-hmm. It's like holy, you know, holy fuck, you know, you didn't get any of that. There was absolutely no NXT. Uh, yeah, that there was, there, sucked. There, which I was really disappointed about because I love seeing the NXT wrestlers come in and, and really showcase on the main roster to the folks who don't watch NXT for whatever reason. You know, their talents. I mean, I remember Casey Catanzaro a couple years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, almost got eliminated, did a handstand outside the ring so her feet didn't touch, but then used her Ninja Warrior skills, wrapped her legs around the the corner turnbuckle, and then, like, shimmied her way up to the top to get back in. You know, I like seeing the NXT wrestlers, male and female, show up and, and really turn out and really put on a show. So to not have NXT there was disappointing. And then, you know, I'll I'll admit... The women's one was better just from the sheer fact that, like, okay, we got our wrestlers there we know. You know, you got the Sashas and the, and the Liv Morgans and, Christ, Queen's Alina coming out in Naruto cosplay mm-hmm. and and found this out later. The character she cosplayed, she got the American voice actor to do her entrance. Oh. The, the voice that was Queen, she was Madara Uchiha from Naruto. The voice that said Queen Zelina at the, the really deep bass voice, that was the voice actor. That's wild. She got the voice actor from Naruto to do her entrance for it. Like, I love shit like that, you know, because let's face it, at the end of the day, there's a lot of entrance, but you can usually pick it down to maybe four or five people, male or female, who are going to win. You know, so I love the surprise entrance. I love the returns. And the male, the men's match just didn't have that. You know, was it cool to see Knoxville? Yeah, he did a lot more than I thought he was going to do. You know, was it awesome to see Bad Bunny do a Canadian Destroyer again? Yes, I will see that until I'm dead. I'm all right with that. But it, it honestly might have been the worst one I've seen. It definitely was one of the worst ones I've seen. I, I think that there's been a couple that have been worse, but you have to take in, in perspective about that. I mean, the hype about, or were we going to really see a Forbidden Door? I mean, that had a, sure. that, that loomed heavy. Kofi Kingston missing the spot on the outside yeah, took the wind out yeah. of the sails of the crowd. I mean, that's just a case of gravity, and hey, it was bound to happen at some point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a tough spot to be in for him. I understand, you know, this is what went down, but at the end of the day, it's still, you know, it, it definitely took the wind out of the sails of the crowd. I also thought how Brock just came in. I mean, a minute that you saw Roman interfere, you're like, oh, crap, is he going to uh-huh. be in the normal? Can we hold off? And especially, like, how he just came in at number 30, I thought it was kind of cheesy. And it also felt to me that once Randy Orton came out, they were speeding through yeah, the show. Yeah, I did notice that. They just kind of kept like going, going. It did feel like the end was cut off a little bit. And I'm, I will admit, they were running long. Yes. So this is something that I think that really hurt the show in general. I mean, Brock yeah. winning, do you really need to? Could you have done something no. different? Like, I think they, they, they misbooked that storyline. But it is what it is. But the big names won. I mean, you know, going into Mania, unfortunately, we didn't get that big new star being born tonight. No, I you, mean, that, you really had the opportunity to. Now, I know there were there's rumors going around that Riddle was supposed to be the original winner. Whether that's true or not, it's a moot point at right now because he didn't. You know, I know people were kind of worrying and, and speculating where Finn Balor was. Uh, folks, go look at his Instagram. He posted a photo from Ireland two days ago with his wife. Yeah, he's out of the country. 
you know, so I was, I didn't realize that cause I hadn't seen it, but I was kind of hoping to hold not hope that Finn would make an appearance and, and make a run because he hasn't won it, you know, cause I know I said AJ, but AJ got eliminated. Yeah. AJ got taken out early. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, it, it's up there for like, you know, for the ones I've seen, I think the 2015 one, one had been the worst. This one might be worse just for the men's. Yeah, the men's, yeah, the men's is gone. Like, it's just, it's not even worth really talking about too much. Like I said, they, it, it could have been a lot better, but I think they just misbooked a lot of stuff. Yeah, they did. Opinion. Yeah, they did. But it'll be an interesting road now to WrestleMania. We do know that the Elimination Chamber is coming up in between. How this all shakes out for the biggest showcase of the year is anybody's guess, but we'll definitely be talking about it as it's coming up. But we gave you our takes, now we want to hear yours. So hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts of the Royal Rumble this year? Let's talk about it, shall we, ODPH Society? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got to talk a little bit of local minute uh, because looking at the standings for the uh, Federal Hockey League, uh, which is the league the Binghamton Black Bears play in, they're currently sitting in fourth place uh, with a record of 16 wins, 14 losses, no overtime losses. Uh, and ahead of them, they've got Columbus in the third spot, Danbury in the second spot, and then Watertown in first place. Uh, listen, Watertown is running away with this damn thing, 22-4. and four. Uh, Danbury as well, 21-9. and nine. Good, Jesus. L- good lord. Uh, but looking at the schedule they had for the last week of games, uh, they did uh, lose their game on Thursday to the Danbury Hattricks by the final score of 6-3. to five, six to three, Excuse me. Uh, they won their game on Friday against Delaware uh, by the final score of 6-5. to five. Their game on Saturday was actually postponed, and this was due to imminent and severe weather conditions in the area. Uh, so no word yet when that will be made up. I'm sure they'll make that up at a later date. Uh, but looking ahead to their schedule they got this coming week, uh, they've got a game Wednesday, uh, February 2nd, 7.30 Eastern. That is against the Watertown Wolves. That's in Watertown. Uh, also on Friday, February 4th at 7.05, they're on the road playing the Port Huron Prowlers. Uh, and then they're also on the road again Saturday, uh, February 5th, 7.05, uh, again playing the Port Huron Prowlers. And then again they're on Sunday, 3.05 Eastern, they're playing the Port Huron Prowlers. Uh, they do not return home until Saturday, February 19th. Oh, damn. Yeah, it's a bit, of, a bit of a road trip for them. That sounds absolutely wild. Yeah. Uh, and then for my base, uh, just got to mention very quickly, uh, we mentioned a little bit, uh, but it did break earlier in the day that the, the, Denver, uh, bleh, the Denver Broncos are officially up for sale and will probably be the biggest price tag for a North American sports team in history. Uh, it was announced on Tuesday uh, by the Pat Bolin Trust, which is operated, I guess, since uh, Bolin stepped away from day-to-day operations of the team in 2014 due to early onset Alzheimer's disease. Uh, you want to take a guess how much the team is valued at? Oh, shit. I can't even think of that. Uh, just under $4 billion. Ooh. Uh, yeah, so Joseph Desai uh, paid a total of $22.35 billion, $1 billion for a 49% stake in 2017, and an additional $1.35 billion for the other 51% in 2019. Uh, you know, for the Brooklyn Nets, the highest paid uh, price for a North American sports franchise. So, yeah, this is probably going to break that damn record. 
You know, Tom Brady's retired now. I'm just so, trying to put that out won't there. Won't be able to do it by himself, but with a little group together, like he had with the Miami Marlins, and then you also had with the L.A. Dodgers. It, it's possible. It's definitely possible with that. Uh, first thing, hire Tim Tebow. <laughs> I'm telling you, you all sleep on him, but he is the truth. He will bring that franchise back to prominence. It's entirely possible. He won a playoff game for him, so what do you expect? Well, he did. So for my bases or last rolls, I gotta remember we say last rolls these days because otherwise we just keep rounding the bases over and over and over. Excite Wrestling going down this Saturday at the X. Hey, not sure as of yet if they're going to be on Twitch. So okay. I did see Johnny Moose today, so I did catch up with him a little bit. He is due to be on the show between now and March. Oh, I can't say exactly why. Yet, because I don't want to ruin the announcement that's coming out this week at uh, Johnny Stock, but he will more than likely be swinging through the ODPH, if not 607 TWS, between now and March. So stay tuned for that. But the biggest thing is make sure if you're able to go locally, check out Johnny Stock going down at the X this Saturday night and keep an eye out on Twitch. So... That's a it's a fifty fifty right now, but there's reasons. Yeah, I mean, if you if you follow Excite Wrestling, it's X C I T E on Twitch, and you turn on uh, notifications if you have it on your phone, uh, you will get notified when they go live. Yes, so definitely make sure you're following them and follow them on Twitter too, because they're trying to grow that Twitter gang. Yeah. So you know we're trying to you know help them grow that as well too. And my last thing is, we did get a press release from our friends over at Ring of Honor keeping it pro wrestling. And they are announcing their first inductees for the Ring of Honor Hall of Fame. And there's no better first inductees that you can do than Jay and Mark Briscoe. So they are going to be leading the class, uh, as according to the press release they sent, they'll be the first ones inducted into the Ring of Honor Hall of Fame. And obviously, if you know anything about Ring of Honor you know absolutely they are one of the heart and souls, one of the greatest tag teams to ever step between the ropes and bleed Ring of Honor more than few other people go even near them. So congratulations go out to Jay and Mark for that high honor. Ring of Honor is going to be having some more announcements coming out uh, Monday, February 7th, I believe, is the next one coming out. So you want to make sure you're following Ring of Honor on all social medias and ROHwrestling.com for all that good information. So definitely shout out to them as well. Yeah, uh, just real quickly, it looks like the name of the, and obviously by the time some of you hear this, it will have already been announced. But if you're listening to it, when it uh, right after it gets released, it looks like the name of the Washington football team has been leaked. Uh, and that's thanks to a news helicopter flying in the area of the f- football stadium and zooming in real close on the stadium. And I'm showing Ken the video. Looks like the f- name is going to be the Washington Commanders. Interesting. Yeah, so, so. There, there's literally a local news chopper flying near FedEx Field, zooming in really far on a window, and it's just you just see Commanders uh, in yellow font. Uh, so it looks like the football name, team name is going to be the Washington Commanders. Well, they're supposed to be making that announcement on the Today Show, I believe, the second. On the second. So by the time some of you folks hear this, could have already hear, heard it. But, hey, if you listen to it immediately, hey, there's the name for you. Hey, that's why you come here to the ODPH as we do that breaking news. Let's live, leave it to Dan Snyder to miss this opportunity. I know, facts. So that all being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that Brian Wolf. No, he's a big sports fan. Yeah, he is. I know he doesn't want to talk football right now. No, no. He's talking baseball all the time right now. He's got a new single out. We're going to be playing that. Pat, if I want to find out more about Brian, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swinging over music section. Check out everything going on, Brian. Shout. uh, Floodlands. Second Super. Yard Party. Tom Jolu. 
all the amazing musicians that give us their music to play on the ODPH Podcast Network. Also, while you're at the website, check out the directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on now? 16,000. And 10. So you want to make sure that you are following and subscribing to the ODPH. We appreciate everybody who's been doing that. The numbers have been going up across the board. So we are just trying to provide you the best content we can. But if you're like, hey, I want to listen to it on Apple Podcasts, where'd I go? Boom, we have the link right there. If I want to listen on Amazon Music, boom, I listen right there. Good pods, the hottest thing in independent podcasting right now. We have the link right there, too. It's all there for you. So definitely swing on over and check it out. Also, check out The Classifieds, which has Friends of the Show, Organizational Link Support, and Black Lives Matter, and all the amazing pod groups we are in. So shout out to The Apocalypse. Shout out to the Inner Circle and shout out to 607 Podcasts and 8122 Productions. All of that, the T Public Store, new merchandise dropping very soon. Stay tuned for that. Parlay Points blogs lighting up. Subscribers are growing on that too, Pad. Ooh. Yes, I nice. don't I don't like to disclose those numbers, but there is a big spike recently. So thank you for that. So all that that is the ODPH that you need in your life. ODPHpodcast.com. That's all we got for this week. For the one only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Rest in peace, Vinny. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.